Blog Talk Radio. not. That's Tom Waits. Okay, that's Tom Waits. 
Okay. Now, off of his first yeah, that... album, uh, Old Times, and that is Picture uh, Old Shoe Picture Postcards and Old Shoes. Nice. Nice. Yeah, this uh how old were you in seventy three? That's really why I didn't put it there and not me being a smart ass. It was me trying to convert me being a dumbass. Uh, I was 15 years old. 15, yeah. If you was in college at the time, you know that album was probably passed around like a joint. Uh, you know, funny, funny, when I was in college a little later than that, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't, it, it, uh, Tom Waits was, was a non-entity at our station. Yeah. I know it took a yeah. while. It wasn't until about the 80s that Tom Waits really started to catch on the college radio. And that's right. really where his uh, blood blood has been. You know, he's always been a college radio guy. Right. The only song so is that song from 1973? Yeah. Okay, cool. This is before cigarettes got to his voice. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, with Tom Waits fans, there's uh, pre-Rain Dog days when he started having the, you know, the voice. Right, exactly. And then there's fans afterwards. And both of them argue with each other, you know. Oh, sure. Like, uh, <laughs> you see some dissension between the Parliament Funkadelic crew, but yeah. And the only song that you wouldn't know off this, Carl, is Old 75 that the Eagles covered. Okay, I do know that song. I know the Eagles version of that. Yeah. And, yeah, this is 73. Carl was 15 and I was 3. And this year is special to me because it was the first year that I actually remember seeing, well, remembering a movie that I seen all the way through. You know Cool, what was it? Uh, We'll get into it later When we get into the top ten Okay Box office of the year But yeah, there's so much going on in this year This year was a big catalyst for change Oh, great With one of Carl's gods coming out with their what? Okay, I can. I just excel with it. My favorite horror film of my favorite horror film of all time, and my favorite double feature of all time coming out, which will get that out of the way, and that would be The Wicker Man, of course. And the best double feature. What do you think it was? I have no idea. The British Lion double feature of The oh, Wicker right, Man of and Don't Look Now. Yep. Great films. And it's not Great. on the 73 list because British Lion put out Mount Look Now in 73, but Paramount did put it out in 1974. Right. Because they wanted to Plus, do something stupid. I mean, you know, something stupid like properly fucking advertise it. Well... You know the the list that you gave me is American films, so so you know the British stuff I didn't really check, but this list of American films, fucking amazing. Didn't you Seriously. tell me 
we can skip over 40 carats, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, seriously, if we go from A to B here, okay, yeah. I can, I well, can, I can mention the ones is, I think. Yeah. This one, the first one I'm going to talk a little bit about is a real dark one. And you wouldn't think of it by the title, and that's Ace, Eli, and Roger of the Skies. You wouldn't think this is a dark movie by the fucking title, would you? Well, you know what? I don't know the movie. I remember seeing it. I know it's well, about uh, flyers in, in the 1920s, pilots in the 20s. That's all I remember. I wasn't even going to mention Cliff Robertson plays a drunken pilot, East, East Eli, who's uh, making his money off crashing his plane in a stunt show. And it's about his son and the people that they meet along the way, one of them is Bernadette Peters as a prostitute. Which is always a well, good I thing. I remember meeting. Bernadette Peters just tears it up. And then we got, oh, we can skip she's over wonderful. to this too. And definitely mm-hmm. this one because we'll be in the top ten. But now, Arnold. This is a movie with a very bizarre fucking... <laughs> Promise that doesn't pay off. I was highly fucking disappointed in this when I get to see it. Yeah, the setup is great. Uh, yeah, it's, a woman it's a marries con- a dead man to get his money, and then everyone starts getting killed off, and then we have a confusing ending that makes no fucking sense. Right. And now we're on what may be, and this is a big. A leap. The most perverted film to come out in 1983. This was so perverted that it made people on the deuce feel bad when they were watching it. Yeah, this one you need a couple of hours afterwards. Trust me. Yeah. And the deuce was hardcore back in 1973, wasn't it? Absolutely. And that would be The Baby by Ted Post. My God, there's no way to describe that Buddhist movie, but... Uh, all, all we have to say is adult baby. Yeah, okay. who's tortured with a cattle prod when uh, its babysitter gives it uh, a hand stimulus. And it's, <laughs> it's a dirty, nasty, grimy movie, and I love it. Well, one of the things I have to, to say about that movie is the the matriarch of that family is Ruth Roman, who was a very famous actress back in the 40s and 50s. And I don't know what possessed her to co-star in this movie, but God, yeah, but God bless her for doing so. Oh, God. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, I don't know what drug she was given or whatever the case that she decided to do this, but really, she tears it up in this movie. She's so good. And Carl knows I love my gutter trash, and even the baby shocked me. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Carl, can you make a sequel to French Can... This question's answered twice this year. 
But can you make a sequel to French Connection without making a sequel to French Connection because you don't have the rights to the French Connection story? Uh, yes, you can. And that would be Bad 373 Bad with 373. Robert Duvall. Yep. 373. Good solid this movie. This is a great Good solid. Good solid movie. Not not as good as the Fresh Connection, but it's solid, and Duval's great in it. Yeah, this was an actual written on paper sequel to uh, the Fresh Connection, but it didn't happen. No. Duval was supposed to be playing Popeye Doyle. Right. Yeah, it's a good, solid one. If you can find it cheaper on Amazon Streaming, I'd recommend watching it. And, Carl, what would would you say if I said that this whole cult of personality about serial killers was done in 1973? The art film was changed in 1973. Two major actors, and that would be Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek, made their bones in 1973. How many movies do you think I'd be talking about? Uh, you forgot one other thing. And uh, a director made his debut that that is one of the most talented and yet uh, <laughs> hated directors of all time. Uh, yes, you have to add that to it. And yes, you'd only be talking about one movie. Just one. Badlands. Absolutely. I love this fucking movie. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And let us not forget the great Warren Oates. Even though he only has a smaller part in it and is killed, he's goddamn fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And it has the signature Terrence Malick uh, shots of the wheat and all that. But the whole movie is presented through Sissy Spacek's character's eyes, Caroline Fugate. And it's so dreamlike that it fucking works perfectly. Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. This is based on the Charles Starkweather, Caroline Fugate, road rampage that took place in the 50s. Yep. And the Badlands, which was North North Dakota and South Dakota. Yeah. And I love how it's all summed up in that last line when uh, Starkweather is about to get on the plane and he combs his hair for one of the last times and just throws it to the cop and says, keep that. It'll be worse than Sunday. Yeah. This is on the must-see list of 1973. There's no number one through ten because if it's the must-see list on 1973, it's all of them. Yes. Absolutely. And next is the one that we've trumpeted as the best baseball movie so many times that we don't need to go over it besides saying... Please watch Bang the Drum slowly. It's just so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, and one other thing. We never talk about Bang the Drum slowly. 
is how great an actor Vincent Gardenia is. Yeah. Seriously. Plays the coach in this, and he's wonderful. He's wonderful. And we got, well, one, depends on which way you see it. If you see it on DVD nowadays, it may be the darkest of the whole Planet of the Apes series. But if you watched it in 1973, no, this is the one with John Huston, my bad. This is the confusing one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is the last one. And we're going to talk about two films right now by Eddie Romero. And, yeah, we're going down to Filipino. Say much love to our guest, and that's Black Mama, White Mama. And... Beyond Atlantis. Why do I like Beyond Atlantis? Because it's got that one scene with Sig Haig just waving his gun around going, pow, 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 and killing like 20 people without even aiming. And that's the only reason to like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm if just saying. Mama, white Mama, well, Pam Greer, Margaret Marcos, they work so fucking good together. <laughs> Well, basically, that, that's a, a, a distap version of the Defiant ones. That's exactly yeah. what it is. The only pro, only bitch I could have about Black Mama, White Mama is that there is too much rape in that movie. Yeah, but, you know, that was the 70s, too. It was unfortunate. I tend to agree with you, but, yeah, that yeah. was... That's that was the part, level I'm judging it at, son. <laughs> I'm like, okay, is this movie got too much rape for the 70s? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. But it's still good. But the best one with Black that came out in 73 had Derville Martin, Fred Williamson, Gloria Hendry, and James Brown talking about the big payback. Yep. <laughs> it has, also have one of my favorite directors behind it, and of course that would be Larry Cohen. And we're talking oh, about Black, yeah, Black Caesar, Caesar. which, which is I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it's the best of the black exploitation of that year. I don't think you you can argue that with me, can you? Oh yeah. I can. Oh, shut the fuck up right now. Well, okay, you know well, what? Yeah, there are okay. two of them. There's, no, no, there's no. one other you could argue with. We could bring it what? up now or a little later. Coffee, yeah, we'll bring it up a little later, but there is more good. And there's a third that I would throw into the mix, but that's just me. Oh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. that, too, because we just watched it. <laughs> no, we didn't. Trust me. Well, and then there's Black a fourth. Caesar, and my favorite story about Black Caesar takes place after the movie was shot in theaters. They called up Larry. The movie was doing great at the box office. And if you've seen it, spoilers, well, Black Caesar is shot dead by some punks and left in an alley like he deserved to die. And he died. Three months later, ring, ring. Hey, Larry, this is Samuel Arkoff. I got some good news. What? We're going to do a sequel to Black Caesar, and you're going to write direct it. He's fucking dead. 
yeah, but it's going to come out next year and we're giving you a bigger budget. What did he say, Carl? <laughs> He's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they did come out with it, and it was that year. It came out yeah. later that year. We saw the list. Yeah, although it's like, he's fucking dead. <laughs> oh, we can work around that. <laughs> Gotta love Larry. Gotta love Larry Todd. Seriously. is uh, Russ Meyer's last film, which is a love-hate film. Most of us say you either love this or you hate it. I'm in the hate file. Cause I happen Black to like Snake, Black Snake. Yeah, it's just not that good. I like it, the actors it's not, in it, but it's just not that you, good. It, it's, not top notch. Russ Meyer it's not top-notch Myers, but, but I do like it. I and if you like ask it. Russ Myers, guess why he said the movie wasn't that good? Anuska, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and right? why was that? Because she was forced on him, if I remember, and by a producer or something. Too small. Yeah, okay, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Carl's true favorite black exploitation film of the year. Black no, and not even Stein. close. Nope, nope, not even close. The movie nope. that has inspired 50 million bad jokes. And it lives down to the jokes. This is a piece of shit. There's no way to dance around it. It's shit. Yeah. We debated, is it shit or shitty shit? But it's still crap. Moving on. Next is Paul Mazursky's Bloomin' Love. Good movie. Solid film. Solid film. Uh, I oh, love Susan on talking. Here's another one that would be in uh, the okay, bad. Okay, I'm not done. I'm not done. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, it's got Susan on Spock, and this is the first film that Chris Christopherson really came in and had a major yeah. role. Uh, he was in, I think, JWQ for a little bit, but but this is the first one where he was really noticed as an actor. And of course, George Siegel's really good. It's also Paul Mazursky. So for me, this is a must-see. This is on the must-list. Yeah, for me. called must-list. And the next one is on our unified must-list, and that's Book of Numbers. Go listen to our commentary. Go watch the movie on YouTube. That's it. And next Period. Is, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been trumpeting that film for ages. We finally got too. to see a good cut of it on YouTube. Got to go see this one. This is absolutely a brilliant little movie. And the last one to wrap up the bees are two fucking weird ones. And I got to mention because they're fucking weird. And the first is The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. You know, you don't have to mention these movies. You don't have to. Yes, I'm just saying. This scene where the hippie cult is. It's so brilliant. Is. Uh, they make a circle out of silver powder, and they don't realize that the werewolf can't touch it. So they end up thinking that they took the demon out of his body. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the next is Breezy by Clint Eastwood, 
which is a shitty version of of Twinkie by Richard Lester starring Charles Bronson. This one has William Holden fucking K. Lenz. Not a good movie. Not a good film. It's weird. I know. It's creepy as hell. They couldn't make that shit nowadays. Not a good film. And Cahill, U.S. Marshal. This is one of the last of the programmer movies that John Wayne did before he died, wasn't it? Yeah. He did McHugh after this. He did a couple others, Brannigan. Uh, I think this might have been his last one before the, uh, the shootest. Uh, and this one's one that Carl's like, you don't have to mention this, and I'm like, fuck you, it's a classic. And that is The Candy Snatchers. Oh, good God. Oh, now, now, oh. now, this one is another one like the baby where you'll need at least two or three uh, showers afterwards. Seriously. Oh, God, yeah. And it's the only movie where us disabled people are cheering at the ending. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's very true. <laughs> that one I'll give you. All through the movie, his mother is treating him like shit, putting him on pills. So at the end, he finds a big-ass cannon, and he takes it to his house and shoots his mother. <laughs> yep. And they're normally like, oh, my God. And us disabled folks, folks are like, fuck yeah, kill that fucking bitch. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Charlie and the Angel. No, That's no, like something move on. I would be forced to watch as a kid. I think it was. Well, it's a kid's movie for sure. It's Disney. Yeah. Fred McMurray, Cloris Leachman, Kurt Russell. And we're going to skip Charlie and One Eye because it was half-assed. But now we're on one that me and Carl both agree is on our must list. And this one will surprise you. Yeah. And that's Charlie Varick. God damn, is that movie good. Oh, absolutely. It's one of Don Siegel's best uh, directors. Uh, Matt Howe, yeah. I loved Matt Howe in the 70s. Matt Howe could play comedy. He could play straight. He could play uh, He could play uh, uh, an asshole. He could do anything in the 70s and 80s, and he was and fantastic. And he pretty much does that all in Charlie Varick. Yeah, really. He plays the guy who jokes around at first, but once they fuck him over, he becomes a stone-cold son of a bitch. Yeah. It's on the muscle list. Charlotte's Web. I liked it. Fuck it. I liked it. Oh, I agree. Pauline is great as a rat. I mean, just listen no, to the list. Debbie Reynolds, Paul Lynn, Henry Gibson. Goddamn. Pamela Ferdin. Don't forget Pamela. Yeah. You know what she's most known a, for, right? You know yeah. what she's most known for? What? What? No, what? Lost in Space. Oh. I watched the hell out of this when I was a kid, and I caught it a couple of years ago on one of them retro channels, and it's still good. Absolutely. Oh, Lynn just fucking tears it up. Yeah, oh, he, well, yeah, absolutely. He even slips a uh, uh, couple of dirty jokes in there. Yep, he does. 
But that's Paul Lynn. Yep. <laughs> okay. Class of 1944. <laughs> Quick. Yes, sir. Oh, Cinderella Liberty. That's one of those 70s films that I make fun of. That is basically you take the kind of 70s film that Carl likes. But don't give a shit when you make it, and that's Cinderella Liberty. Am I about right actually, on that one, Carl? Actually, 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 uh, Mark Rydell is is a damn good director, but this is oh, not yeah, one of his. Oh yeah, he is. He's also he will be mentioned later. Okay. I'm just saying this movie is a meandering piece of shit. No, no, I happen to agree with you. I don't think it's a great movie by any means. Okay, Usually on. when you see uh, on the list, people are like, oh, you got to watch this. this eh. Let's see. Crap. We can skip this one to the worst Pamela Gear ripoff of the black exploitation era. This movie is shit. Besides Shirley Winters tearing it up, and that's Cleopatra Jones. I know a lot of black exploitation fans are gonna whoop my ass, but Tamara Dotson couldn't couldn't act for shit. And that fucked up makeup she wore in both movies. God damn. Yeah, and this is done by a really fine action director too. Jack, Jack Starry. Starry. And it doesn't it doesn't work, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey Carl. Hey Steve. What Jack Hill film do you watch what Jack film Jack Hill film do you like every morning? Well, you know what? I, I tend to like it with a little bit of cream, uh and that would be my coffee. I love coffee. Yeah, this was the one that broke out Pam Gear. Foxy Brown is more loved. I will give it that. But Coffee is the better film. Oh, absolutely. You don't get Razor Blades of the Afro in Foxy Brown. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get Alan Arbus as the big bad either. Yeah. You're going to make me crawl? You're going to make me crawl like a nigger? You're going to make me crawl like a motherfucking nigger slave motherfucker? <laughs> and Alan Arbus on the floor going, help, help. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. One, and we'll skip that. And I'll just quote the director on this one. This is the one film of mine that I wish I could remake because I almost had it right. And I agree and with in this it. Case, and in this very, case, almost is still goddamn fucking good. Yeah, almost <laughs> is four out of five. Yeah, really. And that's George Romero's The Crazies. It is good. The remake is fucking good. So, watch both. Fuck you. Watch both. One thing I have to say about The Crazies, my favorite moment in this particular film 
is Lynn Lowry has a death scene, which has to be the quietest death scene you've ever seen, and it is fucking brilliant. That's all oh. I'll say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's oh. because the sound screwed up on Romero's like, holy shit, that works. <laughs> yeah, really? Next is one of my, one of Carl's favorite movies. He cries every time he sees it. And every time he hears, don't leave us, daddy, don't leave us, he falls to the ground bawling like a little baby. <laughs> and you're so Carl full of fucking shit. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the scariest part of Day of the Dolphin is? Uh, what? I thought it was a stupid, bullshit, made-up Hollywood idea. Fast forward 20 years later, you mean they actually did shit like that? You don't know who John C. Lilly is, do you? No, who is he? He's a scientist behind it. A real scientist. Yeah. John C. Lilly. In fact, uh, Oysterhead did a whole song about John C. Lilly. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is... This is out there. And it's not that bad if you get the science behind it first. Yeah, but it's not that good either. Oh, it's not that good. Mm-hmm. No. And here's one that I like just for one fucking line. And that is, if I ever fought... And I've mutated this many times, so I'm going to say the mutated version. If I ever follow Carl Kaferell on a wet deck, that's the day I cut my neck. And that's Detroit <laughs> 9000. Yeah. Good I little just wish solid the whole film. movie held up to that line. It's a, it's a good film, though. Yeah, it's it good. It is. It's solid. But and I really like the... Hold on. Decade. Hold on. I really like Alex Rocco in this. One of the few roles he had that was a lead role, and he's really good in it. So there. And and these next two are on our must our must see list. Even though it isn't an adult film, if you haven't seen this and you consider yourself a student in exploitation, you have to see this at least once, right, Carl? Oh, without a doubt. And that's Gerald Domino's The Devil and Miss Jones. Let's Georgina let's say his Felton. name right. Gerard hold on. Gerard Domiano. Yeah, Gerard, Gerard Domiano. And Georgina Spelvin is fucking great in this. Harry Reams is always fucking great, but he's great in this. And it and it won't give you a hard on it. It's a dark, bleak, depressing film. Imagine an adult film that opens up with a woman uh, getting nude, getting in a tub. Yeah, this is going to be, holy shit, she's flashing her wrist. And she's winning out in real time. Yeah. Yeah. It's about Miss Jones of Spencer who kills herself and goes to hell and has to suffer with the hell of enjoying sex, but never finishing. Yep. 
It's a dark, nasty little film, and it must see. And so is this next one, too, which, well, let's just say the real. Why do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Cloris Leachman, check. Richard Dreyfus, check. Ben Johnson, check. Jeffrey Lewis, check. Whoever this Harry Dean guy is. Eh. <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton, check. Warren Oates. And that is John Milius's Dillinger. This should have been our dream movie, goddammit. And it's not, unfortunately. This is the, this is the only movie that's on my on the must see list, but I'm pissed off that it's only a four out of five. Well, it's on your must see. I don't think it's that good. It's unfortunate well, because everybody in it is good, but but I have major major problems with the screenplay. Yeah, it's Milius. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like the screenplay at all. So, yeah, not is, on my not. Go ahead. And next is a movie that Ted Michael should have sued the holy shit out of people for Charlie's Angels for, and that's the Doll Squad. Fuck Charlie's Angels, see the Doll Squad. Yeah, it's 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 so wonderfully cheesy and so much fun. It really is. It's a fun movie. And it doesn't tease like Charlie's Angels. And there's no, no girl doesn't. power feminist message in it. Besides, no. if you mess with the women, they'll kick the shit out of you. Which I consider a more <laughs> empowering message than girl power. Yeah. Agreed. Don, they remade Double yeah. Fucking Indemnity? Why haven't I heard of this? Uh, Isn't okay. that bad? Forget Double Indemnity because it's piece of shit, but go back to The Dawn is okay. Dead very briefly. The because Dawn I've got to go with it. Okay, so The Dawn is Dead is a Godfather knockoff with uh, Anthony Quinn. But i got to say something. It's pretty good, and it's very underrated. Um, yeah, it is. Well, look who's in it. I mean, uh, Angel Tompkins, Robert Foster, Al Letton. Alatari. Well, Robert Forster. Forster. Yeah. This is an Italian crime film that was made by an American studio. <laughs> There's no way around it. Yeah, and Fletcher is a good, solid, workmanlike director. It's not as good as it's not nearly as good as the the Godfather, but the Godfather is a fucking masterpiece. Okay, this is solid. It's solid. Okay. And it's Just, got C.A. being one of the coolest motherfuckers in the world. True. Well, yeah. Okay, you said PC. We're moving on to this. These next two are definitely on. These next three is are definitely on our must-see list. And the first is Electroglide in Blue. God damn, that is so good. Oh, what a fucking great movie. Only movie and, that James William Garcio ever directed. He was better known as a music industry guy. He was the guy behind Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Robert Blake's best fucking role he ever had. Uh, uh, and just a great film with an absolute stunning ending that will leave you gasping. It is fucking great. It's on the must-see list. 
And so yep, the next one, too, be. we're really kicking ass, and that would be Emperor of the North. God damn, this is a mean, fucking brutal little movie. Mm-hmm. Ernest Borgnine at his nastiest. Lee Marvin. Keith Carradine, who I basically wanted to strangle throughout the whole fucking movie because he's so fucking obnoxious. And let us not forget... In and a you must have loved what world, happened to him at the end. Oh, absolutely. But 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 the thing is, let's not forget, small cameo, but he fucking kicks it, is Sid Haig. Another Sid yeah. Haig. Sid Haig again. But, God, that final fight scene between Ernest Borgnine and Lee Marvin, oh, my God. And if let's not forget, this is Robert Aldridge. Yeah. Okay, directed it, and he is the king of testosterone at this point in time. Seriously. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fight scenes in this next movie, this would be the best fight scene in a movie this year. Yeah. And, of course, the next is Jim Saxon, Jim Kelly, Bruce Lee, Enter the Fucking Dragon. Do we need to say more? No. We can no. move on. Besides, why wasn't this on the fucking top ten list of box office gross this year? I don't know. That I don't know. That's we'll fucking keep, We'll keep going because right now we've and got we've got three in a row. We've got hold on, hold on, hold on. We've got three in a row. We're gonna have four in a row. At least for me. No, we gotta save that for the top ten at the end. No, 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 we don't. Executive action. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, not executive action. I'm talking about the one after that. Yeah, executive action. That's why I was counting the three, man. Which is almost... Emperor's and... Oh, yeah. Hold on, Stephen. Thank you. All right. Executive action was one of those films that was buried by maybe even the government. They did it to another one this year. But this was sort of like uh, uh, going after who killed Kennedy. And it shows shows the whole thing from, from top executives and, and, and business and, and politics. Third Lancaster, Robert Ryan, Will Gear, brilliant film, but you will not find it. It's it, I, seriously, if you do find it, watch it. It's 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 on my must see. Sorry, I had to go there, Steve. Pardon no, me. no, no, don't worry. Uh, and the VHS of it that Warner put out goes for like a hundred. Yeah. Seriously. And the word is, is that the director or the and the screenwriters got it too spot on. It was one of those like, oops, we really fucked up. We did it right. <laughs> yeah, and, and the director never directed another film in his life. No. Uh, and neither did the screenwriter ever write anything else. Yeah. I'm just letting and you know. Here's one that I would throw in as one of the best black exploitation films of the year. And I would fight you on that, that it's better than Black Caesar in my way. And that's five on the black hand side. Good film. Oh, yeah, good real film. good. If you think that the Medea films were a modern thing, no. No, the church plays like all. that, and there started way back when. And Five on the Black Hand Side was one of the rare films that actually did one of those with the happy endings and the smart ass talking. It's just fun. 
That was one of my favorite cut downs of ever. They say my dad. They say I'm the number two toughest guy in the world, and my dad ain't getting any weller. Yep. <laughs> now, it's been ages since I've seen it, so I, I can't really say too much. Okay, skipping on past a couple. Earlier today, I seen people on this uh, cult group I'm in, they were talking about, oh, my God, Black Mass is such a great movie. Oh, it's the best movie ever made about... Uh, why do you bulge your ever? And I didn't curse them out. You should be proud with me. Yes, I am. This I am. film that we are at was such a horrible flop when it came out that it basically broke Robert Mitchum's heart. It did. And this film has been lost forever in a day until the... DVD Blu-ray sure. come out, and this is The Friends of Eddie Coyle, one of the best crime films forever. Yeah, ever. And it was written sure. by George C. Higgins, and he wrote it, and you can tell with his follow-up, which Carl will talk about, that he was a bitter guy who thought the system was an utter piece of bullshit. Oh, yeah. And why would he think yeah. that, Carl? Well, Higgins was a DA, and 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 he hated what they were doing with with Whitey Bulger, and that's how he left the DA's office and wrote this this novel, The Friends of Betty Coyle. Well, a couple of years later, he did a, a follow up to this called Kogan's Law, and that was made into a film in what uh, 2013 or 14, I think. Uh, Killing Them Softly, which also fucking flopped. And I think it's one of the best films of that decade. Uh, stars uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, and, and it's all about this uh, hit that goes wrong and, and everything, you know, uh, uh, everything goes wrong and they bring in uh, um, they bring in uh, uh, him to, to fix it all, Brad Pitt. And it's just, it's a brilliant film. And it's so bitter and so nasty that nobody likes it except me. Seriously. And so and it also is has... Eddie Coyle. Oh, yeah. And I said it that both... for you don't know how many years, and no one likes this would be. People are like, do you have any good crime films I can see? I'm like, oh, shit, friends of Eddie Coyle. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Ten seconds this later. is... Uh, Basically about a two-time, this is based on a real hit, a two-time loser who was ratting out to the FBI, but it turned out his his, uh, police handler uh, informed uh, that, you know, basically that he was going to tell on him, so they killed him. Mm -hmm. And this is a bitter, angry movie about how everybody rats on everybody, and all the cops care about is getting uh, hits on their books. There's no joy or happiness in this fucking movie. There's no good but guys. But it has one of Robert Mitchum's best speeches ever. 
when he's trying to warn this young boy about it, when he talks about how he has two sets of knuckles. Yeah. If you're looking for a movie, that would just be, find it. That would be Richard Jordan, by the way, who, yeah. who makes – I don't think it's his, his actual debut in this film, but this is the first movie that I ever saw where I recognized Jordan. Jordan would work with, with Mitchum again uh, years later. Uh, uh, and Alex in uh, the Equalizer. Again. Yeah. Alex Rocco, Richard Jordan, Peter Boyle, Robert Mitchum. Stephen Keats, man. Great cast. Oh, man. What was that film that we talked about on Thursdays that was about African religious rights and all that bull? <laughs> well, that would be one of the must-sees of 1973 and on both of our lists. Yeah. And that would be Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess. But yep. here's the odd story. It came out in 1973, but none of us seen it until about 95, 96. Yeah. They released a bastardized up version called Blood Couple. Yep. And it's the only movie that Dwayne Jones from uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, starred in, other than uh, Night of the Living Dead. (laughs) Yeah. And next is one of our favorite musicals, and it's definitely on the must-see list if you like musicals. And you are towards a religious bend, and that's Godspell. Wonderful film. We already Wonderful we talked about this so much that we should just edit that together as a fucking commentary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Peace be with you and glory of man. Prepare ye the way of the oh. There you go. And that whole song is just that one line, and it's so beautiful. Also, the one thing about this movie is its use of New York City locations, including the newly uh, renovated and done uh, 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 World Trade Center at the time. And the most racist film of the 1973 is Root Marriage. Good God, fuck it, movie. Fuck you, fuck you. Okay. Fine. I know we've talked before about its interesting uh, gay stereotypes. Yep. And here is one of the funniest movies to watch when you're on weed, and that's The Herod Experiment. Just to see Don Johnson as a hippie living on a campus where they're experimenting in free love. You need to open yourself up and let others into you. That way you will know what it's like to love and to be loved. Take your medicine, Stephen, please. (laughs) And there's Harry in your pocket, which is okay. James James Coburn is good, just like he was in this whole decade, but everything else is... 
And this is the best movie ever with Jamie Farr in it. <laughs> yep, he does voices in it, and yes, it's it's a must see. It's on, yeah, on my best list. This is on a must see list. What would Ralph Bakshi do as a follow up to his counterculture milestone about anamorphic cats fucking and dro- animals? Sorry. Doing drugs, having sex, and living the hippie wife style? Why, he would do an autobiographical film about his younger years. And that fucked the fans of Fritz the Cat, didn't it? Yeah, it's a brilliant film. That's heavy traffic, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Okay, I'm waiting to hear what you have to say about this next one. Oh, hell up in Harlem and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you should say, well, Black Caesar, you see, came back from the dead. He's not he, He's not a uh, zombie. He's, he's just another guy now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is the sequel. So it's the After Dead sequel to Black Caesar. It came out in the same fucking year. They just ignored the last five minutes of Black Caesar in the movie. <laughs> right, they did. And next is one that we need to do for this show so bad. It's on YouTube. We need to do this. You know, I've never seen this. I don't know this. I know of it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. Just imagine Keith Carradine and Gary Busey as World War I bikers. World War I veterans who've come... Bikers coming back and ended up on this ranch with these two girls who are witches. I hear it's 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 it's, it's a trip, but I've never seen it. Yeah, it's as close as you could get to a Malick horror film. Nice. Yeah. And next is, depending on which way you look at it. It's one of the best westerns Clint Eastwood ever did, or one of the best ghost stories Clint Eastwood ever did. Which way How about you one of both? Yeah. Um, and I got to give... I, I, I love this movie. I love this movie. And and um, who... Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but of course you got Clint Eastwood, Jeffrey Lewis, Verna Bloom, Marianna Hill, Mitchell Ryan... But who is the uh, um, who's the uh, midget? Oh, it's Billy what's the name who Billy was Barty. in a Wizard of Oz. Billy, yeah, it's Billy Barty. Okay. Yeah, Billy, Billy Barty. Barty has the best role in this movie. Seriously. Seriously, I love this film. It's just so good. If you're wondering why we ain't describing it, we're just going to describe what it was based on. Uh, well, there was a nasty little murder case in New York at this year. Or was it like 72 it happened? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. The one where the girl was killed in front of an apartment building and no one noticed her? Oh, oh, uh, that was that was in the 60s. Yeah. That was in, well, that was in the 60s. Well, Eastwood was pissed off, so he wrote this Western using that as the base of it. Mm-hmm. It's a damn good film. Yeah, and if you're wondering 
are they being vague on purpose? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You need to see this without much spoilers. Mm-hmm. Hit with Billy D. Williams, Richard Pryor. Not that bad a movie. Oh, and here's one skipping over. Uh, we're skipping over da-da-da-da-da to get to, well, what was the name of this project that put out the plays of the film? That had rhinoceros. Uh, American uh, uh, Film Theater, AFT. American Film Theater did a series of six films, I think. It was more like eight, but yeah, they did like yeah. Uh, and the most successful one was a John Frankenheimer film with Robert Ryan and Lee Marvin, and it was The Iceman Cometh. And I know who loves these series of films, so take it away, Carl. Well, this is actually, this is a really interesting film for me because I I already knew and loved Frankenheimer at this point. I knew the play, and and I love Marvin, and and and, but I found Lee Marvin in the role of Hickey to be miscast. However, as you watch this and and. You see Robert Ryan in the pivotal role of, I can't remember the character's name, but he's the alcoholic. Robert Ryan just fucking, just tears it up in this. And and, and it made me, this movie made me go back and watch all Ryan's stuff. And, and, and I had known him from a couple of films uh, beforehand, of course. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a good film. I do think that Marvin is miscast and a little too theatrical. But Ryan is so good in this. Yeah, but you're so, yeah, that's, these are not movies. These are filmed plays. No, no, in this case, just like you're you're talking about the director. Yeah. It's not preceding March. It's it's fluid. The camera they use it's it's not a play. It's a film. Yeah, but that was one of the rules of the them is that you shot them like plays. Well, in this I, case, that's not that's not the case in this one. Okay. Not the case. I'm just going by the fucking backstory I read. Yeah, I know, I know, and a lot of it is is within one, it's within the bar. Yeah. But just like just like uh uh, you know, Altman in in uh, uh in in the one thing that Philip Baker Hall is is uh, uh as Nixon. You know, he, the camera's always moving. It's not. It's not stage set. Yeah. You know, and, and that's here's what it one is. that when Carl, I like this movie. I'm like, what? And that would be Idaho Transfer with Peter Fonda. I just watched that a couple of weeks ago, and and I gotta say something. It's interesting. Is it really good? No. Is but the it's title one of the worst ever? Yes. Yeah, but you have to understand what the title is. I'm not saying that the title's good, but it fits. Yeah, it fits, but you got to put a- asses in the seats. <laughs> well, that was never going to put asses in the seats. That's not why. Why? Why Peter Fonda directed it. You know? Yeah. There's a guy that did the higher hand, for God's sake. 
<laughs> True. And speaking of asses in the seat, what do you get when you take William Smith, Anitra Ford, and Vic- Victoria Ver- Vitri and put them in a science fiction movie together with lots of tits? And written by Nicholas Meyer, who Nicholas would later Meyer. give us uh, uh, Time After Time and, and Time. two of the Star Trek movies. You get one of my favorite, favorite exploitation comedies of all time, Invasion of the B-Girls. B-Girls. It's just oh, this fucking movie is amazing. Trash, but it's great trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking lootly. Seriously. And about this next one, all I got to say about Jesus Christ Superstar is Carl Anderson is a fucking god. Other than that, we can move on. Yeah. Jeremy, the start of Robbie Benson playing a Jewish girl kid, which led to a movie which we'll be dealing with probably next week. <laughs> oh, God help us. And here is Carl's real... He lies about this, but I have seen in his uh, bag... Fuck you. It's not a lie. He, I you hate this movie. Fuck you. Move on. You like Otherwise, the better known as Jonathan Livingston Seaweed. You gotta eat this one. Eat. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Why the hell was this popular in the 70s? <laughs> I don't know. I think it had to do with the drugs. We're, we're going to skip over that. There's Kid Blue with Dennis Hopper and Warren Oates. It should have been good, but it's shit. And next is one that come out of nowhere. But knowing the way we know the director, now we shouldn't be shocked, and that's the killing kind with Curtis Harrington. And and let's face it, it's the second it's the second great Bruce Roman uh, 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 portrayal in 1973. And she she plays a mother that's again really fucking twisted in this movie. Yeah. I love this If story. you're looking for a good guy that's not much on the radar, look up any of Curtis Harrington's films. They're fucking good. Ruby, oh, yeah. Whatever Happened to Aunt Alice, Night Tide, uh, The Killing Kind. And this was John Savage's first role, too. And I yeah. love John Savage. Very underrated actor. Okay. Lady... And speaking of very underrated and not too many people know, the last American hero with Jeff Bridges. It's a pretty goddamn good stock car movie. It's okay. Not outstanding. It's okay. Hey, Carl. What? Have you fucking orders come through yet? No. Fuck no. Don't know where I'm going, Steve. Motherfuckers. (laughs) What? Are you the fucking shore patrol? I am the fucking shore patrol. (laughs) (laughs) But still, we're talking about how Ashby's the last detail, one that we will do. Just because I love, Carl loves some of the -the over-the-top moments, but I love some of the more little moments, like when him and Otis Young are just, Fucking being grouchy as shit. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, this is a film that ran on on box office a lot. And every yeah. time my father, who was in the Navy, saw that I was watching it, would turn it off. He didn't want me to watch it. Seriously, I'm not, I didn't no, really see the film until he was later. Yeah. He said that's what it's like waiting. For, he said that's what it was like when he was in uh, fucking Camp Pendleton after he got home from Vietnam, waiting for his fucking transfer to wherever the hell he was going to finish out his tour. <laughs> yeah. So one other thing we have to mention about this movie is it was written by Daniel Ponixon. And Daniel Ponixon wrote a sequel to this called Last Flag St- Flying. Or Last Flag Standing. Yeah. Okay, that was made into a film for, uh, I think, HBO, an HBO film. Uh, and it's the same characters like 25 years later. But and they couldn't I, name of the characters because Warner Brothers owned the characters fucking right shit. Yeah, but trust me, they're the same characters. Yeah. And and uh, who, who's all, as Steve... Um, Carell is 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 uh, Steve Carell plays the Randy Quaid character. character. Brian Cranston is plays Nicholson. Uh, Nicholson, and I think it's Morgan Freeman plays the no, oldest no, character. No, uh, no, 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 it's it's the guy from Matrix. Oh, Lawrence Fishburne, Fishburne. yeah. It's Fishburne plays Otis Young. And it's hilarious because Otis Young's character is the one who curses the most in the movie. And he ends up being a preacher. Yeah. But seriously, <laughs> this you, you need to watch that movie. Uh, uh, I recommend it highly, and it's one of my favorite films from the last uh, from 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 the 2010s. It's and a really good of, film. Uh, in the last detail, out of Nicholson's gold period, this one's the one least talked about. Everyone talks about carnal knowledge. Everyone talks about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Everyone talks about five easy pieces, but who fucking, besides me and you, talks about the last detail? There are people, trust me, there are people. Yeah, but not as much as, you know. Yeah, there are people. Oh, and Carl, we never did answer this. What did Kamel do as a follow-up to performance as a favor to James Coburn? But because he got fucked in the script, he left it and didn't take him and Comber didn't take any credit for their script, and it was given credit to two other people. What movie would that be? That's not Last of Sheila. You got the story wrong on that. You do. I know. I know the story on that. Uh, Stephen Sondheim has given a, a several. Uh, 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 interviews on it, and that was written between him and 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 uh, Anthony Perkins, and they used to do these these murder mysteries on the boat, and they used to bring people in like Coburn and that and do murder mysteries. So so it was all their idea. Yeah. Well, either way, The Last of Sheila is a fucking good movie. It's magnificent, and it's definitely on the must-see list. And I haven't seen it for years. It's not yeah, easy to see. Yeah, it's definitely on the must-see list. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on. Here's one that me and Carl love. This is on the C list. 
but it won't be on the bus either. Now, this must be Absolutely, have to see this one. Yeah, this one is on the must That's a laughing list. policeman. Another great Matt Howe film. Yeah, so good. He is so good in this. And this is an odd little movie, and that's why it's so good. Hell, Matt Fell in the 70s can do no wrong, almost. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Carl likes little cigars just because it's got midget screwing Angel Tompkins. I'm more than okay with that. <laughs> I've always and liked midgets for a very obscure one with Jeff Bridges and Rod Steiger. You would think a movie with Jeff start with Jeff Bridges and starring Rod Steiger based on an Elmore Leonard book would have more cult status, would you? Uh, that's because it's not exactly a really good film, unfortunately. Fuck you. Why Madonna XXX is a fucking great moonshine exploitation film, you fucking cretin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. This, this seemed too high class to me. I, I like I like the more more um, exploit exploitative uh, moonshine. Yeah, but you know, this like is dark and stuff like that. Yeah, especially how nasty and brutal the last twenty minutes are. Oh, I'm not saying it's not nasty and brutal. And by the way, you talk about Rod Steiger. Robert Ryan's really good in that too. I mean, yeah. I just don't like it. It just didn't work for me. And it's the same guy who directed. Uh, Directed Vanishing Point, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. And next, we're going to talk about Carl's favorite film of the ever, and it stars Peter Finch, Liv Ullman, Sally Kellerman, <laughs> George Kennedy, Michael York, Olivia Hussey. Yes, uh, in between the scenes, Carl sings the score to. Lost Horizon, the musical. He loves this movie. <laughs> okay, uh, listeners, imagine my middle finger going up and then penetrating the Stephen's asshole. Okay? And then putting my whole fist in it. Okay? Sorry. I know that's a horrible thing to think Lost about. Horizon. God, is that. It may be one of the worst, if not the worst, musical ever made. It ain't it's cat really ain't got shit on Last Horizon. <laughs> but his favorite film was not, just not even the Apple. Yeah, and that's the Long Goodbye, which we've done a commentary on. If you haven't heard it yet, please go back and look for it. It's a goddamn good film. But the sad thing it's was. My favorite. It was also a piece of shit. But then Jack Davis did a poster for it, and Pauline Kell came down for a high mountain. I saw this, and it was good. And then the hypocrites, I mean, my fellow reviewers, fell over themselves to go, yes, this is so good. <laughs> it's a brilliant film, and, and it is my favorite film of all time. And it always will be. Till the day I die. And if you like, it's and a, if you're a big, a uh, big Lebowski fan, you have to fucking see this because, because basically this is this is definitely the DNA of Big Lebowski. And the Coens yeah. not only admitted it, 
but said it in the commentary to Big Lebowski. So there. Well, the opening scene to the Big Lebowski is the opening scene to the whole fucking goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. What is the, how can you say that Black Caesar is the best black exploitation movie in a year that the Mac came out? Uh, I tell you what, 73 the was Mac. a great. Yeah. Oh, goddamn, it's a great they, year. Copy, the Mac, the one we haven't mentioned yet. Yes, God which damn. we will get to. Yeah, seriously. But for all those people that talk about the Mac glorifies being a pimp, no, it doesn't. If you watch the Mac and you want to be a pimp, you ain't watching the motherfucking movie. No, not. And the one I would like to mention in the Mac we really haven't talked about much is Roger E. Mosley. He is so fucking good in this. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Go on for a second. Did you like or not like the Macintosh Man with Paul Newman and James Mason from John Huston? You there? Uh, sorry, Steve. I told you to hold on. I needed to get something to drink. My mouth is dry. Uh, Macintosh Man is okay. It's nothing great. After Dirty Harry, which is one of the greatest cop films of the 70s, right? Don't you agree, Dirty Harry? Agreed. How did they fuck up the sequel so bad? They did. Magnum Force is a piece of shit. We love the baby well, head post, but what the fuck else? What the fuck, man? You fucked yourself up well, bad in 73. Well, no. You know why? You know why? Because, uh, well, they, they changed the character. Yeah. They changed, they changed Dirty Harry. And and, and 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 it just doesn't work. Doesn't they made him more, What's that word? Easier to I'll just say easier to digest because I can't get palatable out. Goddamn, I did. To the masses. Yeah. So they took off his edge, and Dirty Harry only exists because of his edge. Exactly. The man exactly. Oh. And speaking of uh, debuts, man, after that movie in 73, I thought uh, this was Robert De Niro's comeout year, wasn't it? Mean Streets and Bang the Drum slowly got down. Yeah, absolutely. Mean absolutely. Streets is good. I oh, won't put it on good. my C list because everyone else does. Well, Well, certainly it should be. I mean, you know, but it's also... Well known and people know it too. So yeah. And next is Messiah of Evil, which is a good, creepy little film. If you haven't seen it, it's quirky as hell. Yeah, and Anita Ford is in it too again. Yeah. Yay! How many movies did Playboy make? Like six. Well, not counting the Playboy Channel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not counting what they did for 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 cable, only about six, I think. 
And one of them was the naked ape. And there's a reason why no one knows this. And as Carl has said before, there's some films you don't have to mention, see. Yeah, and you just did. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> That's because I'm the No Mercy Man. <laughs> that movie sucks. Oh, goddamn my God. What? Good God, nice, nice move. Well done. <laughs> yeah, the movie isn't that good, but I just love that title, No Mercy Man. One of one of Sid's only uh, uh, starring roles, man. At least and that's at this why point you see Sid stars in it. And yeah, next exactly. is Oklahoma Crude, which George C. No. Scott and. Let me finish. Faye Dunaway spent the whole movie fighting with each other. And when they stop fighting with each other and the plot kicks in, the movie sucks. We want to get back to George C. Scott and Faye Dunaway fighting with each other. It's not a good movie. Yeah, how many movies do we do we know like that? It's like you see this, like, oh, God, when these two are together, that movie is so good. Yeah. And then when they're not... Ah, shit. Why won't they fight some more? Yeah, really. Uh, And here's an interesting one. The Outfit by John Flynn. And this one is basically another French Connection connection, correct? No, no, no. It's a sequel to something else. Okay. It's a Parker movie. Oh, that's right. It is a Parker movie. Yeah, it's sort of a follow-up to Point Blank, where uh, Robert Duvall plays Parker, and it's good. Yeah, it's a solid film. Yeah, it's just too bad they really haven't made a really great fucking movie series out of the Parker book. They made two good no. movies out of Point Blank. Uh, the one with Mel Gibson and the great one. With Lee Marvin. Yeah. And Sam Bottoms did one called Slayground that was sort of a, that was based on the sequel to Point Blank. And it wasn't that good. But the outfit is the good one of the other no. ones. Just get the books. Yeah. And next is one I know that Carl loves, and that's the Paper Chase. I do love this movie, and 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 and, and the best thing about it, by far, is John Houseman as as the uh, as the pro- professor. Who's just you mean you're a not a real Bonham fan? No. <laughs> no. Paper Moon. Uh, okay. People like it. Oh, it's they're being okay. nice. Any one of uh, Peter Bogdanovich's nostalgia masturbate nostalgia masturbation films suck ass. Well, don't forget them. Suck ass. Taylor O'Neill won the Oscar for it. Don't forget that. It, I mean, it's. It's not as bad as some of them. It's certainly not as bad as Nickelodeon. 
It's not my cup of tea. I don't like it. Yeah. And next is one of the best prison films that's gotten forgotten throughout the years, and that's Papillon with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. I like that one. Oh, yeah. Good, solid film. Do you realize they remade it last year? Yeah. Did you even know that? Yeah. Why? straight to VOD. I know, I know. This is the movie to see. Yeah. And now we're on, this is going to shock you, my favorite film from 1973, even better than The Wicker Man. (sighs) Oh, my God. And that will be, I'll just tell you the people who are in it and see if you can guess. James Coleman. I already know. Yeah, Joe Willis, Jack Elam, Katie Gerardo, Slim Pickens, John Beck, Bob Dylan, Chris Christopherson, James Coburn, and Pat and Sam Peckinpah's classic, Better Than the Wild Bunch, fuck you all, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. The 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 Slim Pickens death scene is absolutely fantastic. There's so many good things about this movie. I just felt that was that it was really miscast with Coburn and Christopherson. They're too old. But with that caveat, they're still really good. Yeah, well, this is me. I don't think anyone that carried that. What? Yes, I agree. Okay, but if you look at the historical sense, uh, yeah. uh, Bill Bonney was 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 dead at twenty four. Yeah, and Coburn was like ten years older. Uh, uh, you know, and and so Christopherson at the time is in his mid thirties, almost forty. Yeah, and he's playing Billy the Kid. That that's what 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 got me. Now, if you t- put that aside. It works. I mean, the movie is brilliant. I'm not just... You know who's damn good in this? Bob Dylan. Let's give yeah. Dylan some, some cred. And most people hate him, but they got... But they missed the whole point of what his job is in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's a writer. He comes out of a newspaper building. So what does a writer do? He writes. He reads and he, he writes. Observes. You know, observes. Yep. So Bob Dylan really has the point, one of the most important jobs, you know. Yeah, he's very good in it. And, and even though I was... about com- being old. This is definitely, yeah. of all the Sam Peckinpah films about being old, this is the one that most explicitly touches it. It's good film. It's good film. You know yeah. my caveats. If you can get the Turner cut. If you see the shortcut, yeah. you won't like it, and I don't blame you. If you see the so-called director's cut that my fellow, couple of my fellow critics put together, it's shit. And okay. next... We have to talk about the artistic greatness of Buck Kardashian. No, it's Kardashian. Well, 
He was a thespian beyond thespians. <laughs> he took any film he in to the next level. And, Carl, you need to get that DVD out story to give it to me because you ain't going to watch it. Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> no, no. No, it's fucking mine. I'm the one that owns it. And and, and <laughs> I love this movie. It is a takeoff on a little shop of horrors. And it's called Please Don't Eat My Mother. And Buck, okay. Buck Cartalian is just, anytime we see Buck in any movie, particularly Jim Cotta, because both yeah. you and I, we've talked about this. I saw this, and I said, like, it's Buck! And <laughs> people look at me oh, like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? So you remember when I was watching on Turner Classic Movies and I, like, messaged you, holy shit, it's Buck Cartalian! <laughs> <laughs> it's not Kardashian. I make that mistake, too. It's Cartalian. Cartalian. Yeah, Ew, he's fucking great. <laughs> we love and him. You want some I wouldn't put it on our must see list because it is an inquired taste. I mean, it has. Fuck you, girl you gotta see it once in your lifetime. Yeah. You gotta see it once in your lifetime. He's like, you're gonna fuck me and suck me and worship my feet. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> and if you talk yeah. to most of the 70s Disney fans, they will say Robin Hood is the worst of them, and I say, fuck you. I liked it. Peter Ustinov, Terry Thomas, Glenn Campbell, fuck you. It's good. Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? It's a, it's solid. It's it's not one of my favorites, but it's okay. It's certainly not bad. It's not Rover Dangerfield, for God's sake. Yeah. And here is the most fun title to say of all of the seventy three films. We got to just say I just love saying this title. One, two, three. Sounds like air escaping. <laughs> yeah. Don't say it. Yes, it. <laughs> and it's actually a decent movie, too. Strother Martin and Dirk Benedict. This is the one where the guy gets injected with the drug and turns into a snake. It's not that. It's fun. If you like your monster oh, it, movies. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a fucking blast, man. It really is. And next is one that I know Carl's going to want to talk about, and that's Save the Tiger. Okay. This is a must-see. Okay, it is. It's a must-see. Uh, um, Jack Lemon is great, and, and the story is basically about Lemon uh, owns this uh, 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 dress manufacturing, and, and he pimps he pimps out for for business and and that sort of thing. He's uh, overextended, and his uh, uh, partner is Jack Gilbert, and he gets involved with a young girl. But he has to make a decision whether or not to uh, uh, have arson happen at his uh, dress manufacturing. And it's 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 a great film. Lemon won the Oscar for best uh, actor. But the person who fucking just kills it in this movie is Jack Gilbert. 
Jack Guilford is magnificent. Uh, um, no more for comedy, but he's so good in this movie and should have been up for an Academy Award for Best Supporting. Uh, great film. Watch it. And it's an exploitation movie history, too. Okay, explain. In the summer of 1972, there was this New York theater that was showing Save the Tiger. And all you seen in the ad was a secret sneak preview from Bryanston Pictures. So you would stay after that, you know, like Save the Tiger. Okay, it might be another good family film, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Save but the Tiger is not a family film. That the film that was being sneak previewed was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yep. half of the audience, through halfway through the film, rioted and went out vomiting. Nice. <laughs> Why would they pick Save the Tiger to sneak preview the Texas? I don't know. But they did. But Save the Tiger is not a family film, by the way. Not by a long shot. I know, but... <laughs> not by a long shot. And here's another one of Carl's favorites from the 70s, Scarecrow, which I love okay. because of, uh, what's his name, performance. Oh, well, well, both Hackman and Pacino are just great. But do you know who's even just as good, if not better, as Eileen Brennan in this? She's marvelous. Uh, uh, and Jerry Schatzberg, who I love as a director, he's not as well known, but this this is a movie that you need to see. You need to see, and it's about these two losers. And all Gene Hackman wants to do is 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 build and and run a car wash in Pittsburgh. That's all he wants to do. And it's about and and the other thing is, let's not forget another actor that's in here that we love, who gets in a fight with uh, Pacino, I think it is, right? Yeah. Was it happening? Pacino. Okay, so, so talk to who that is. I I told you I forget his name. He's in uh, uh, God Told Me To, uh, Bad Dreams, uh, Richard Lynch. There you go. Yeah, and Richard my Lynch favorite part with Lynch is uh, after the fight, you know, it shows him later at this farm he's working at, talking shit and all having, looking tough, and then Hackman walks up on him. And he just has that, oh shit, look on his face. Yep. And all he says to him is, don't hurt the face. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's it's a great film. You need to watch it. And here is the best car crash of the 70s. I'm sorry. The best fucking car crash of the 70s. Oh, without a doubt. Even I'm not arguing that. Not even coming close to arguing that. And that's the 7-Ups. You just, just look up 7-Ups car crash on YouTube. Yeah. And you're guaranteed to go, holy shit, at the end of it. Yep. It's definitely on the good list, not the must-see list. 
Yeah. And here's a small story about this one. We can pass it real quick. Uh, Richard Roundtree and John Gillerman wanted to do Shaft Among the Jews. But Warner Brothers thought it was stupid. And if you haven't read that book, it's the best of the Shaft novels. It's so fucking good. It is good. No question. But what they got him to do is make Shaft in Africa, or Shaft with a big-ass stick beating the shit out of people. It don't work. It's not horrible, though. It's not horrible. It's it's the least of the three of them, but it's not horrible. Yeah. Oh, and here's a good one. Real pretty much the, the uh, Carl's favorite Brian De Palma film. Margot Kidder and Jennifer Salt in Sisters. My second favorite. Uh, well, and well, actually, it'd be like my in my top three for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a really good one. This is a really good one. It has one of the most surgery forget- scenes ever. That's all we're saying. Yeah, and then don't forget Garrett Graham in this too. Oh, of Seriously. course, and our and our heroes in it too. Yeah. The Phantom of the Paradise himself. Finley, yeah, Finley's in it too. Really, really good, solid film. Seriously. And Jim Brown had two films. They weren't that good, but they were two. There were Slams and Slaughter's Big Ripoffs. And we got Sleeper by Woody Allen, which Carl loves. I think is it. I like it. I like it. I like yeah. it. I don't think it's his best, but I do like it. And these next two, we got to get to the top ten, so I'm trying to run through them quick is two that we've talked about a lot on this show and you need to see. And that's Soylent Green. Fuck all the spoilers. Just watch the film for Edward G. Robertson and Charlton Heston's uh, by-play with each other. That's why you watch that film, not for the twist. Oh, Chuck Connors, too. Chuck Connors. And the spook was set by the door. So good. Oh my God! Incredible. We got to do that sometime. God damn it. Oh, I, 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 I'm with you on that. I'll do that in fucking heartbeat. And we got one of uh, Charles Bronson's most forgotten films, which I love to death. And that's The Stone Killer. Good film. I love Very it. Very good film. Oh and yeah. We got Super Dad, which is worth watching for the car crash theory of uh, Bob Crane, watching him drunk throughout the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I ain't going to mention this. Fuck you, Superfly TNT. And here we go with one of the two great, another great Curtis Hanson film, Sweet Kill, and the most underrated black exploitation film to come out in 73, Sweet Jesus Preacher Band. Yeah, I've never seen that. I don't know that one. It's the only film where Roger it, E. Mosley starring in it, and it's good. We're taking over your racket. Yeah, Michael Patanke, what do you mean? Too, who I love. Yeah. It's, a, it's got Michael Pataki, William Smith, and Roger E. Mosley. I'm surprised. 
And it's yeah. like, we're taking over your rackets. What do you mean? It's part of that new black entrepreneurism you're hearing about. <laughs> <laughs> and Sweet Kill by Curtis Hansen. As we said before, if it's Curtis Hansen, it's good. Agreed. Thermal Island, Terror in the Wax Museum, that man Bolt. Eh. They're good if you're looking for something to watch on Tubi or YouTube. Right. Uh, the Thief Who Came to Dinner. Carl likes it. Uh, we, I love it. I love it. It's, uh, for me, it's a definite must-watch, or just maybe behind, well, a little lower than that. But fucking War Notes is great. Uh, uh, so is Austin Pendleton in this. Uh, it's a really good film. I like it a lot. The Three Musketeers, which is good. Very good. And a drive-in classic, which is Walking Tall. I fucking love this film. We're going to do this sometime, so I don't want to talk about it. And another drive-in classic, White Lightning. Oh, that's a oh, fun movie. Oh, we can't forget Westworld. I can feel Vicky behind us with a big stick going, you better not forget Westworld, you mothers. Yeah, really. Agreed. I like Westworld, the movie, but the problem is that it doesn't really have a plot. Everyone knows about oh. Joe Brenner's full robot that chases them. But there's I like 25 minutes of nothing that happens before that. Oh, there's there's mock almost orgies. There's all sorts of stuff that happens. Give me a break. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And yes, James Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger ripped off the Terminator's walk from Yul Brenner in Westworld. That's very true. And we got Wicked Wicked, which is more fun to read about and talk about than to see, so... Exactly. And now we've pretty much gotten through, besides the young nurses, uh, to get to the top ten. Let's go all the way... And the top ten is really that big. Number ten is Serpico. That hasn't really aged that well, has it? No, but it's it's a good movie. A real good film. And number nine is Walking Tall, which is a fucking amazing film. If you like your Southern Drive-In films, watch it. Oh, absolutely. And going on to number eight, and Carl, in this ever-ending world in which we're living. <laughs> Why don't you just don't give forget, it a try? you, you got to live and let die. Yeah, live and let die. And this I'll tell you what, the, I I like that movie. I, the idea of, of, of James Bond and exploitation, you know, and, and Yafet Kodo, but let's not forget the great fucking seven-up man of all time, Jeffrey Holder. Yeah, I love and Sunday. <laughs> yep. It's and a lot I like of fun. Tee-hee too. Yeah. I mean, this one is just fun. And it has one of the best opening kills ever. I love it. They're walking on somber. Do, 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 do. Blam! Poop! Put them in the coffin, and then do, do, da, da, da. <laughs> they just start dancing yeah. around. And Robin Hood and Magnum Force, which we talked about. 
and a film that me and Carl agree is on the fuck you list, The Way We Were. Oh, God. Just shoot me. That's number five. Oh, God. Yuck. Papillon, we talked about. Yeah, and I was three years old, and we were going out to the lake to swim that day. And we were coming back, and uh, my dad looked at all of us and said, Hey, do you want to see a movie that's on TV that has the back end of a car tied to a pole and gets ripped out? And me, I'm like, yeah, I like that scene. And we ended up going to see the really the first of the nostalgia films. And the biggest one. And that would be George Lucas's, depending on who you're asking, classic American Graffiti. Yeah, Ron Howard, uh, uh, Charlie Martin Smith, uh, Suzanne Somers, Harrison Ford, uh, yeah. Laverne from yeah. Laverne and Shirley, Wolfman Jack. Oh, Wolfman Jack is actually fucking awesome. Seriously. And it has one of the best 50 soundtracks ever. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. The reason that me and Carl hate so many of the nostalgia films is that look at the bars we have at our top, which is American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused. Mm -hmm. Try to hold up to that. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously. And both of them were about nights where nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Well, things do happen, but, you know, but what I mean is it's just another night, but they don't realize it's really the last night of their, you know. Of their innocence or whatever, yeah. The yeah. end of an era. And skip the so. American Graffiti sequel, please. Yep. And number two is The Sting. No, I disagree. I disagree. I think think for what it is, it's a wonderful caper film. But more importantly than anything else is not the movie. It's the soundtrack. What it did for Scott Joplin and ragtime music. Yeah, absolutely changed music publishing. It changed what we listened to. It really uh, brought to the fore a type of music that almost had been forgotten. And, and Marvin Hamlin. Yeah, and 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 I mean that was written years and years ago, uh, 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 way before 1970s. That was written in the 20s. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that this m- movie did for, for Ragtime for Scott Joplin, particularly. So that's the most important thing about this thing, as, as, at least in my estimation. Yeah, it's still good, but would it, I could say, just look at all the films that we've talked about this year, especially the one we haven't talked about yet. I wouldn't yeah. call that the best film in a heartbeat. No, but you know, you know what? I'll, I'll give you one thing about this thing we haven't talked about. 
Right. And you know, you talk about Newman and you talk about about uh, uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Robert Shaw is oh, fucking fuck great yeah. in this movie. Seriously, Robert Shaw as the Mark is just brilliant. And let's talk about my number, the number one film of the year, the film that should won Best Supporting Actor. Uh, what's his name? Who played Karis? Uh, uh, that would be Jason Miller. Best Supporting Actress, Jason Miller. Best, I mean, actor. Best Supporting Actress, uh, what's her name? Who played the mother? Ellen Burstyn. Ellen, Ellen Burstyn. Best Actress, Linda Blair. Best Actor, Max von Sydow. Best Screenplay, William Charles Peter Blatty. Best score. Actresses. I'm, best film. I'm sorry. The actresses should have won all of those. It, it could have won score because Tibular Bells was written beforehand and recorded beforehand and then used for, for uh, uh, Exorcist. So unfortunately, I know it was, that, uh, but I'm just it, saying it should have. Okay. Well, by rules, it could the fact that should have won Best Picture, don't you think? Oh, I agree. I agree. I thought. We'll see. Uh, Godspell, Jesus Christ Superstar, and The Exorcist came out in the same year. Which one do you think put the most asses in the church seats? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, man. But but the exorcist definitely the exorcist. Oh yeah. Because after every screening of the exorcist, every Catholic church and church close to theaters that were playing it were full capacity within a half hour after the screening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely definitely had a had an effect. There's no question about it. None whatsoever. Yeah, that's why he killed the Catholic Legion of Decency. All the priests were like, told that little fact I just told her, like, screw you. They put, they're put, they giving us more more souls to save than any of those other movies. Yep, absolutely. Since I have yet seen a movie of since then that has made big a big of impact as the actresses did. Or Star Wars, or Jaws, all seventies. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. The Avengers may have made more money, but did they have the cultural impact on the actresses? No. No, I disagree. I I agree with that. Absolutely. How did you How did you first see it? Did you get to see it uncut, or did you watch it on TV? Oh no! I watch it on HBO. Yeah. So what it was on. What did you think of it as an impressionable teen? It was. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, I had a rough time with it. Uh, as I rewatched it, of course, you know, you know, your first when you watch a horror movie, you know, you're scared. You get all that. You go to a second viewing. And of course, it was on HBO, so you, so they were running it like crazy. And you start to see 
the connections and you start to see the cinematic and, and, and what Freakin does with it. And, and by the time I saw like it two or three times all the way through, I was hooked at how good that film is. Seriously. And then you got to start to see the theological side of it because of Blatty. Oh, already, even at that age, I was already playing church. I was already involved in that. So oh, I'd already gotten that from the first year. Yeah, but, yeah. And a lot no. of people nowadays no. complain it's too slow. And da, da, da. That's one of the things we liked about it. Well, you know what? I, that, I have people who, who who say it's not even scary. It's like you weren't there when it came out. You are everything that came out afterwards has been influenced by by you know, and so you get all this stuff, and you don't think that the original is scary. Well, you know what? You weren't there. Anyone who says, "Oh, that movie wasn't scary," I look at them like it scared the shit out of you, didn't it? Uh, why do you say that? <laughs> why else would you be fighting so goddamn hard to say this shit ain't scary? Mm-hmm, yeah. And thank yeah. you for listening. That was seventy-three, and yeah, the big. This was one of the first years that. Right film was the top film of the year. Right film won, box office wise. Yeah. Because besides the way we were, there's not any of the top ten that we wouldn't have watched. Oh, except for Walking Tall. We watched that in fucking Arthur. Walking Tall? It's number nine. We watched that in fucking. No, I'm saying besides the way we were, there isn't one on that top ten. Biggest money makers that we wouldn't watch. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I. I Darkfall was aged bad, but back then it was good. Oh yeah, agreed. Agreed. Oh, All right, Steve. If you're Steve, for a, if you love The Exorcist and you're looking for a good other movie, what's that one? The Devil and Father, or what? Well, I don't understand where you're going. Are you going with the ninth configuration? Not history about the original case that they based the Exorcist on. Oh, I, I don't know the title of that. I don't know the title that of that. I know that something. Yeah, I, I don't know the title of that one. But, yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you Tuesday when we tackle the limey. Ah, uh, yes. I'm going to have fun with that one. Yeah. And let's be honest, tonight's show wasn't about nostalgia. It was just about pointing out good, great movies and movies that you haven't heard of. Yeah, and there's a lot of them on there, man. I mean, 73 was a really... So many came out in 73, it's like, goddamn. Yeah, we, we were looking at that earlier today, and it's like, holy shit. Seriously. Actually, we were like, this is an easy layup of an episode. And it was. Oh, yeah. It was. We hardly was... globetrotted this bitch. <laughs> yep. And Carl's going to end the show. And this was from 1970, a song. And why do you love it so much? Well, 
it's Billy Preston like kicking ass like crazy, and and it was one of my favorite songs of the year. So, so uh, we'll go round in a circle. Yeah, well, I go round so in a circle. Well, I fly high like a bird up in the sky. And uh, let's see, this week Tuesday we're going to be doing Limey. Thursday we're going to be doing uh, Research Palace. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to be doing, I think Carl's going to be in this too. God damn, sorry, Carl. <laughs> Cube with uh, Miss Victoria Love. Yep. And this episode, was episode, well, we're pretty damn close to 500. Good God. Good Lord. And with that, good night, and we'll go round in circles. Good night, everybody. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. I've got a song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. With a gold round.
song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friend. When I go around and I'm a bird. 